Right now, black people just want love and unity. Now, a nice Clyde and Jamaica, we can't mash it up. <laughs> can't lose my passion for life, you know. I'm gonna like for some fight, see? The bike man stop at the bus stop to shelter from the falling breed. Here come the taxi man, lick him down flat. Start to call him some dirty names. The England in the office on the sidewalk. Jump up and she start to talk. Now she lick down the cabin with a banana stock. That's how the madness start. Why can't we all just get along? Sweet Jamaica disappear with island. Me see the lips to get together, make we love with one another. Sing a Ethiopian song. It takes two to make a quarrel. Two to fight, how the hell you figure you smite and war beat right? You too sharp temper, a lot to broke fight. Well, you must sleep at your house tonight, Lord. The DJ drive up in a escalade, and block the whole and not parade. The gentleman say be a bad man, you know me no friend. Yo, 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 what up, what up, what up? This is Tion Buku 1. This is Yula. We are the Black Russian Podcast, episode 25? Yes. Episode 25. So we're here live and direct from Roma Cafe on the corner of Ashby in college. We decided to take our show on the road, starting with NBA All-Star break. So now we're just hopping around to random places and doing our podcast. So we're not in the same confines as our house, staring at the white wall in our bedroom. Speaking of, I decided that we need to paint the wall, at least one wall. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I can tape it up. We use grace. We can do it. We're going to paint the ball. So, yes, we are here. We are here. We are here. And we like to start it off like we normally do. We do not advocate any specific style of relationship more than the other. No style of relationship is more or less divine. It is the quality of work put in within yourself than within the relationship that you're wishing to have. So one thing we are totally not for is anything that's mandated Regardless of who is it mandated for, including ourselves. Right. So no mandated monogamy, no mandated polyamory, no mandated polygamy, polygyny, polyandry, polypuppy. Open is not any more woke than not open. Right. Woke is listening to yourself and communicating that very clearly. So now that we got that in, we'll go into our quotes and then we'll recap and go into the episode. Mm -hmm. You go first. Okay. Quote number one. The more you give to yourself, the more you love. I can't speak English. Hold on. Let me open it. Wait, wait, what can you I speak? I don't know. I speak Tian-ish. Okay. The more you give to yourself, the more love you have to give to others, and the more value you can add to the world. It's sometimes we get caught up in the intricacies of all this stuff, but like sometimes it's easier to go back to very simple things. Start there. And this is very simple, but if you do that, starting with yourself, you can actually have a lot more to give if you take the time and give the love and the attentiveness to yourself that you're trying to give some other person or some career. What about the whole thing about not being selfish? Well, got to define selfish. Selfish, in a negative term, is when you're taking what you want at the expense of others. Whereas selfish in a positive term is actually taking the time to nurture and care for 
your spirit, your mind, and your body so that way you can become a better service to your society and your community and your relationships and family. I actually found that uh, one of the best ways that people, or easiest ways that to explain it is the oxygen mask in the, on the plane. Right. They always tell you, in case of emergency, put the oxygen mask on yourself first so that you're situated and can help other people because you're really no good if uh, you're dying while trying to help right. other people. A drowning person is little to no use to another drowning person. Yes. Also, that ties into what we always try to aspire to be when we go through craziness is try to aspire to be like a first responder, not a first reactor. A first responder comes into a crisis and assesses it in a calm and open, compassionate manner. First reactor is one that's going to freak out, yell, scream, and probably faint (laughs) or something that's probably not going to be too helpful to anybody else. So that's my quote number one. Quote number two is, the best math you can learn is how to calculate the future costs of your current decisions. Oh boy, that's a hard one for me. So thinking past today. Um, and then, of course, same thing. I'm going to probably use this one a lot. Calling people childish as an insult reveals a repression of the inner child. <laughs> be childish. Don't be old fartish. Simply stated. Agreed. All right, mine are all George Carlin today. Men are from Earth. Women are from Earth. Deal with it. (laughs) He, and if there is a God, I'm convinced he is a he, because no woman could or would ever fuck things up this badly. (laughs) Tell people there's an invisible man in the sky who created the universe, and the vast majority will believe you. Tell them the paint is wet, and they have to touch it to be sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good one. George Carlin, miss him so much. Yes. All right, good. So mm-hmm. you situate yourself. So let's recap from episode 24. What are some of the things that we talked about? Well, I was quite passionate about not uh, taking our template and applying it to your relationship. Applying it? <clears throat> not implying it, right? No, I said applying it. Okay. We just got through painting, so she might be a little high off some paint fumes. No, we also determined that I mumble. I mean, a little more than you mumble. Just a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So, yeah, don't take any model and apply it to yours. We talked about that. We talked about our work uh, with helping people and Mm -hmm. what it entails and how much, how invested we get and how different it is from being a therapist right? Uh, and how that's a blessing and also a difficulty, emotional involve, emo, emotional investment that um, is real. So the consequences are real as well. We get to feel all the whole range of feelings. Right. Um, yeah. We're not shielded. We're not shielded from their reactions to digging for the truth. We're not shielded from their reactions when they're triggered from a fear, um, or when they decide they don't want to work anymore. Right, but on the other hand, you know, it's super rewarding. Yeah. It's really <clears throat> cool to see when uh, there's a change and you can trace it, right. and you can feel it, you can see it. Uh, that's really cool. Right. Yeah, and that's why we'll always continue to do it. Um, it's not a profession. It's not a professional thing. It's, it's a spiritual thing. It's a human thing. It's a love thing. 
Um, but you know, as we know, love is crazy. Love is ever changing. Love is not an exact science. And every single person you will connect with, that you will share some kind of love with, will have a different definition. Each day, damn near, you meet them, as we will have different definitions each day we live. So, not an exact science. Moving targets all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Landmines full of fears that we may not know about, that we may discover. Um, falling on the face and all that shit. So, but you know, we get hurt a lot more than people realize that we get hurt. And, um, but that's kind of the part of it. We are hands on with building with the root work. Yeah. Yep. And so we did that. We did those two things. We talked about, oh, what was the other one? But you're just looking at me. You got your no, nose in front of you. No, those oh, I got my nose. in your nose. Uh, right. So we talked about that. Um, we talked about poly trendy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talked well. about it's very trendy in the Bay Area to be poly, and people sometimes can conflate um, polyamory with woke. Like, you're more enlightened if you're not monogamous um, yeah. somehow. And how that can really mislead people into thinking that if they're woke or they're on their path to woke, they have to become polyamorous or have some form of open relationship, which is totally false, and that can lead to a lot of people getting steamrolled or suppressing feelings of, maybe this isn't for me right now. Yeah. And they'll just be like, oh, but I'm, I'm just, I'm supposed to get over my fear. I'm supposed to just suppress it. Um, but the reality is, is woke is listening to yourself, understanding what voice is speaking. Is it a fear voice? Is it a trauma voice? Is it, is it a love voice? Um, and then making decisions consciously. And sometimes consciously is like, you know what? Maybe I do want to do that later, but right now I don't. Yeah, I think, I mean, to me, it's more of, it's more about understand that that's a style of relationships and it's totally cool it may or may not be yours but you're not gonna diss it you're not gonna speak against it you're not going to disencourage people from living it but it may or may not be yours right now that's the balanced way and you know when we talk about open we sound really passionate about open but when we say open we're not topping open typical open relationship we're topping talking open conversation open conversation with yourself about what you like and what you don't like where, where you are now where you're trying to go open dialogue with your partner or partners open in conversation in mind and heart not sexual necessarily so a lot of times people can get confused about what we're saying and thinking that we're overly advocating open as in poly as in multiple but we're talking about open to where you are able to Eula's dropping the mic. You know, mm-hmm. open conversation about all these different things that we deal with and not suppressing them and so on and so forth. Um, and the main thing that I fight for when I talk to people, what I'm so passionate about, is no matter if you want to be monogamous or polyamorous, chances are through your life, you're probably going to flow in and out of all these things if you are free, if you are liberated, meaning when you love somebody and you guys decide to be in a relationship, consciously you get to choose and negotiate what it is you want. That may be a monogamous relationship, but you should never give up your total control of growth, of change, of contracting or expanding. And I think that's the biggest issue we have with people um, assuming monogamy is the divine way. And it's like, it can be, but it should never be mandated because maybe you do want to be monogamous for a while, but what happens if you decide you don't? 
And if you've already mandated it or given that control over to someone else, you are no longer free to grow in the way you may need to grow. I think the whole divine, you know, the divinity of monogamy comes from a super uh, wrong understanding of the nature of where it came from. You know, we're still uh, under the impression, all of us, that monogamy is uh, was imposed to us uh, on us by the church, and it's not. You right. know, we talked about it early on. It's always super interesting to uh, have more and more confirmation. No, I mean people that research and know the history of monogamy, which comes with the history of humanity. Uh, it's very clear that monogamy was imposed as an economic institution. And right. not and has nothing to do with church, has nothing to do with divinity. It's a choice that uh, was made by people who needed to protect their wealth and their lineage. That's it. That's all. So it really doesn't have anything to do with divinity. So even saying right. that monogamy is divine is kind of funny. Right. And, and also what we really, 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 really are about is if monogamy is for you, educate yourself. <laughs> So you understand where it's from, how it works, what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, what's the true purpose of it, and choose it consciously, but never, ever let go of your personal decision-making process. Because if you may change, you should feel like you can talk about that. I think the divine part, you know, when we talk about monogamy, the divine part is the connection. Right. The divine part is the connection between you and I, which we feel... But that doesn't mean that I can't feel same, similar, you know, a totally different type of connection with somebody else. Right. And I don't know where it says that, you know, you can only feel divine connection with one person. Right. Like, and that makes no sense. Right. And if we think about it, <clears throat> you know, in, in relationships and the specific sexual relationships where sex is involved we think this way but every other relationship we totally don't we encourage people to like listen to different types of music to become more diverse and more experienced we, we encourage people to study different cultures to really get up close and personal with having a diverse community so you can learn and share different things we applaud people who travel a lot to become more worldly so we're to all this time we're trying to nourish and encourage us to become more to have more multiple love multiple passions multiple understanding of people places things foods but then us, and then all of a sudden drop of a dime when it comes to this love we're supposed to just only do one at a time what other part of our lives do we only love one thing at a time at any given time we're loving our daughters our mothers our brothers our sons our works our careers we listen to reggae hip-hop salsa all these different things and the, the thought that you can only love one at a time, no, that's a choice. Some people can only do that, but it's a choice. It's not a mandate, and it's not the only way. And I think that's the biggest ch- challenge is the only way concept makes a lot of people feel like if it doesn't work for them, they're failing. So that was episode 24. And so now, let's go into this episode and get into the meat of it. So... I know you have some things. Yeah. You want to talk, you want to start with your things? Well. Or do you want to ask, you want to, you want to talk about romantic love? I know you like romantic love. What is romantic love to you? 
Can we save it for later when I'm warmed up? <laughs> yes. Sorry. Went in the back door with no lube. <laughs> okay, go ahead, girl. All right. So we talked about it a few times. Uh, the Me Too movement, the female power, female liberation, uh, feminism, patriarchy. It's a super complex topic. I had a really, you know, we've thought about it. Uh, we, Tian and I, ran into some issues, problems based on me going on my. Um, uh, I guess not, not drawing, a, not not clearly understanding where to draw the line between, you know, uh, being on my soapbox and then finding myself at home with someone who actually uh, thinks about women and, and tries to do uh, the best that he can given our upbringing and all of the stuff that we have to overcome. So this, was it last week? I think it was last week where I literally uh, had a super cool experience of watching myself get the soapbox out do the whole speech and then move through the evening and still having the soapbox with me when I totally didn't need it I just forgot to put it away right. it felt so good to be on it and uh, it colored all of our interactions Right. and I could see it Right. and it took a little bit of a uh, reminder from you. Like, you didn't know that that's what I was doing, I don't think. I could just, yeah, I could just feel the lean. And what she means by coloring, you know, so we're talking about, you know, a couple that we're, we're building with. And the coloring was her passion for the woman's plight and her disdain for the men's plight. And it was coming out very heavy and vitriol to where I was like, well, they both are responsible for the dance that they're in. They're both oppressors and, and being oppressed. So let's be careful with, you know, that. So that was well, yeah. the, so the, the coloring. Box, I mean, when I say soapbox, it's always, it always will refer to uh, defending women. Like, I only really take the soapbox out when I uh, take the position of women. You know, defending women. Right. Mind you, I defend men probably as much as I defend women. Right. There's no soapbox. But there's no soapbox that right. comes with it. The whole soapbox comes out when I defend women. And it's really like what I really notice is that it's really hard to remember to put that soapbox away. Right. And you know what's neat about it? I'm just noticing as, it, as you're talking, just thinking about it. When you defend men... It's much more of a mental, logical defense. When you defend women, it's much more of a passionate, fiery thing. Right, and that's why it's so difficult to catch myself and then put that thing away. Right. But it's really neat. Like, it was really neat to watch myself and feel our interactions get totally colored by that, affected by it. Right. So all of a sudden, I'm in this powerful defense position when I didn't need to. 
I didn't need right. to be. And that changes energy between you and I, and then we have to reset. And then luckily we've gotten a lot better at resetting ourselves. And it took me literally like two minutes of watching TV to be like, oh, I feel like both of us felt my energy switch. My right. soapbox was put away. Right. So that made me think about um, the whole process of, you know, being a feminist fighter. Right. Because we need feminist fighters. But are they able to put the soapbox away? Right. And what happens if they don't? Right. So play it through. What happens when, let's say for you as a woman, you get on the soapbox and you're fiery and you're and then you keep going and it starts to color the rest of your life. What parts of your life will it color? How does it affect that? I mean, it colors everything. In that situation, you and I were about, we were starting to have sex and you asked for something and I was like, fuck that. Right. I'm not doing it. I don't feel it. Right. And it wasn't anything crazy. <laughs> it wasn't anything that we wouldn't normally do. I mean, it was just but a 17-inch just... dildo with twiddler <laughs> twirls on it and, and sparklers. I mean, you usually... Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even... But no, but it like literally creates this defensive reaction to anything. Right. This wasn't any like it wasn't anything out of our normal. It wasn't anything I don't enjoy. It was it was definitely an abnormal reaction to something that is loving and normal between you and I. Right. And Basically. we literally had to stop. Right. Because you felt it, I felt it. And then we had to reset. Like I said, luckily we know how to do it now because we've done it so many times that right. it doesn't take us long enough. Long, And then it's like, okay, now we can go to our lovemaking with normal energy. No one's defensive. The soapbox is put away. Right. And we're interacting as equals. Right. Whereas before it was like you are demanding something and I'm giving you a finger. Right. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you, you think about that, like how many women are walking around pissed off at dude, like just everything. They're just identifying all this negative stuff that is real with men, chauvinism, patriarchy, all this shit. They just walk around flames in their eyes and then they take it while they're dating because a lot of these women are still well, heterosexual yeah. and they go meet a guy and then when things are good they're able to keep it at bay but when things go bad or jumpy that energy and that fire may quickly come out again and but it then... doesn't have to go bad or jumpy i think that's what i'm saying it can totally be good right the intentions the man's intentions like in in that situation your intentions were perfectly fine right everything was good the only thing that was different was that my soapbox was out right so it's not so I think what it does it makes it harder to create a good space because where a guy is honestly thinking that he's creating a good space the reactions are as if he is being unreasonable like that you're he's, still a man you're yeah still, you're still a man you're still privileged you're still doing whatever so in that situation like sexually I'm be like okay so then how does anything work? Right. And that, that's the, that seems like a really big challenge um, for all of us, you know, so whether you're a woman dealing with oppression of men through the patriarchy like that, or you're a black person dealing with the oppression of 
you know, white people and colony, colonists, you really got to be careful to not broad stroke every circumstance to where you forget that the overall goal may be understanding equality to eradicate these things so that way we can live a balanced life in some form of harmony, not I want to overthrow the oppressors and then oppress them and become exactly what they are, right? So a lot of it seems like what's the goal? Is not the Black Panther premise. No. No. (laughs) It wasn't. The movie, no, is not the Killmonger. Yeah, Killmonger. Yeah, Killmonger was definitely on, on some, you know, they've done this to us for so long and now we have the ability to take over and right. rule so we're and, gonna do it flip right. the script on them right and so in that situation what can happen the script just goes flip back and forth back and forth through tribes until eternity where the whole no one's even looking to build equality they're looking for their opportunity to overthrow and rule and be a tyrant and punish and punish for all the pain that's been caused and so that's what we call the hate that hate made yeah you know so I mean and that, that's pretty you know I think it was it was really super cool for me to feel it because we can we've talked about it before. You have pointed that out to me. Me being a Gemini, I think uh, I learned best through my own experiences. Right. So me being able to watch myself do that, right, and then change it, and then see the results. Uh, right. no. What is is <laughs> that's the the Gemini way is like okay look. If, you, if I'm going to learn this, I need to go hit my head in the wall first. And then I can watch, I can sit back and watch the video right. of me hitting my head. And then I'll learn, like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, even bowling, like, the only reason that why I changed the whole little, the whole leg thing yeah. is because I, you took the video, I watched it, and I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing. Like, you, you, you've told me that a million times. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, it, but, but, you know, whoever lived, I mean, that's a totally separate topic, but uh, watching myself go through that was really telling because had I stayed on the soapbox, you and I would have had a fight that was, right. would have been big, would have lasted a couple of days, we would have both hated it, we would have uh, wasted energy, who right. knows, you know, how long and like where we would be today. Right. Totally not necessary. There is right. a place and time for a soapbox, but then there is a place and time to not have it. Right. It's and, a, and be equal, right. you know. And I think that the default should be equal. And if the default is equal, equal respect, equal love, we both come at it with, I love you, I respect you, uh, we will do uh, what both of us want, right? And I'll give, you'll give, I'll take, you take. It's a much better, it's a much better premise than I'm gonna show you. Right. I'm gonna get mine, and then next time I'm gonna get mine, and it becomes a competition. Right. The and then of the I'm worlds. gonna punish, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna remember that one time when. You know, for a week I was going down on you, and you never reciprocated. Right. So, I think that that's uh, it's just not a good place. Right. You and know, and it's not. I mean, you know, our example is sex, just because it happened to be through that. Right. But it could be anything. Right. And the thing is, you know, we don't want to get into a battle of the sexes. No. Or the world of the world, because that way it's a tit for tat. 
Yeah. So it's like if you go out three times this week and I was at home more, then I'm going to be like, well, cool, I got a chip now. So when I want to go do something, I don't care what she wants because I'm going to be like, but remember when you did that? And then that becomes this very, very vicious cycle of instead of looking to help each other do what we want to do, we're looking to, we're like basically long, it's all it is one long trial. Well, yeah, I think that we have we have pretty much uh, come to a conclusion that really the only way to change this whole uh, men versus women, women versus men situation is to but for both sides to understand, you know, that we've uh, through through history we've created this situation where men have historically had more power. Right. You know, women have been uh, on the receiving end of a lot of, uh, you know, of a lot of patriarchal issues, but that's changing. Right. And for us to act as if that's not changing and constantly remind you that you are part of the oppressing class, like, I don't see a point in that. Right. Uh, there's a place to fight, and then there is a place to have common ground and continue creating loving equality and um, and then raise our kids in that state right and that's the bigger issue I think that the biggest consequence to us maintaining the fighting stance is that our kids will maintain the fighting st- or take that on. Right. And they'll learn that. And, and so they, they won't understand that, hey, we have to fight because we have to liberate ourselves. Right. But they'll continue to fight for us. Right. And that's just not where we need to be. I mean, we ideally, we want to raise our kids without that fight. Right. And yeah, like so like, you know, Emery Douglas of the Black Panthers, um, you know, he's a very happy, smiley guy. And I, I probably said this before in the podcast, but I, I was hanging out with him and he's just so happy. And he like goes, he's like a muralist, one of the ministers of culture, doing all the graphic design for them for many years, travels around the world in frontline places and doing murals and meeting with the oppressed and meeting with the community. And he's still happy. And I'm like, how do you stay so happy? And he looked at me and he was like, like, what do you mean? He's like, you got to wash that off. And he was like, the whole reason why people fight, the whole initial reason is so they can have the freedom and the resources to live and love their life and to be able to just enjoy life and yeah. be grateful. They're not fighting because they just want to fight all the time and, be, and just be at war. Like, the goal was that's a temporary state that we need to be in and we'll do it as long as we have to. But he was like, you know, you eventually you have to wash that off because even revolutionaries need to smile. Yeah. Like you gotta, you don't want to sacrifice um, raising your kids, um, watching them grow, the joy of that, because you're always mad. You don't want your kids to see you always mad and angry because they're watching. You know, you want to make sure that you're able to um, fight the good fight, be passionate about that, but still be able to be grateful for the amazing things that we have in this space and time. And um, that, the goal of being able to enjoy that as well and knowing how to you know when you have to fight and when you need to relax and recoup recover meditate give thanks be grateful um so it goes into what you're talking about so what happens with 
you know, you're reading an article about when women become CEOs and become to the right. top. Right. So the then, you know, now we're in uh, in in uh, time in history when the wave is seemingly changing. Right. I mean, it's women are gaining more power. We're seeing more women in higher places, and technically. Statistically, if we run statistics, we go, oh, okay, well, the situation is improving. Mm-hmm. There's more women at the top. Uh, now, supposedly, the next FBI director is going to be a woman, mm-hmm. so should we celebrate? The fact is that, you know, we, yes, in general, that's a great trend, but it doesn't automatically mean that when women uh, rise to the top, mm-hmm that means that the culture behind them has changed. Right. Because, unfortunately, there are two ways for women to get to the top. Right. One, and that's something that we all hope to get to, uh, is through changing of the culture and through understanding that, hey, what men have done doesn't work. We don't like that. You know, the corporate structure, the CEOs that don't care, uh, the, you know, politicians that are unethical and do things to get to the top that are not clean and not in the best interest of the society. Uh, For women to get to the top, they can either be Elizabeth Warren and fight the good fight and create a wave that gets them to the top. Right. Or they can become like those men, even, except even better than them. Even more cutthroat. Because, right, better in, uh, in quotes, because... For me to get to be the CEO of a financial company, I need to gain trust of the men that will put me at the top. Right. For me to gain that trust, I need to be at the very least as good as them. Good in their like in their definition of good. What is their definition? So we know what. Well, I mean, it's, most companies, unfortunately, it's you know you cutthroat, you do everything that's, uh, that is best for the bottom line, right. and the structure is made to make sure that the structure uh, is maintained to 90% of the profit to go to the top, right. and 10 to the rest of the, you know, the company. Right. Uh, so I have to be at least as good as them. Right. And I actually have to be a lot better than them because I have to overcome my position as a woman. Right. And prove to them that you're down to pretty much... Right. That I'm better than them at their game. Right. And it's not a secret that there's been women at the top that are better than men at their game. Right. Like Jerry, the attorney on Jessica Jones? Yeah. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's, she's just pretty one hardcore. Of, yeah, she's, she's pretty just serious one, business. One of them, yeah. uh, you know, our incoming FBI director. Uh, what's her name? The ex CEO of the of Theranos, one of the biggest frauds 
um, you know, in the biotech industry. Mm. I mean, just as bad as guys are. And, you know, she, this one, I mean, she's committed massive, massive, massive fraud. She's not going to jail. She got slapped with a fine. And uh, not being able to be a director of a publicly traded company for 10 years, woohoo. Well, apparently her board is a bunch of super high-powered men. Right. Very uh, politically connected. Right. And I'm, I can guarantee you that's why she's not in jail. Otherwise, she, she would be. So, you know, she's just one of them. And um, better than them because she's pretty, she's young, she's this, she's that. Who knows right. what she did for the whole thing. And, you know, I mean, she didn't improve the world by being the female CEO. Of that. Right. She didn't create um, more no, she awareness didn't create, or... No. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, I some of the guys I work with have actually dealt with some of the, uh, like, corporate paperwork for their company. And, I mean, that it, it was the most asshole company for their employees. Right. <laughs> The terms of the employee stock options were, were some of the most prohibitive for the employees. Right. Way worse than average in the industry. Right. So crazy, right? right. So you know, I mean, the fact. That, so so the point is that just because statistically there is more women at the top does not automatically mean that we're winning. Right. It's like it's for, like. Pimps, like, like, for example, I'll give you an example. You can continue. So, like, you know, my dad spent a lot of time working with Motown, songwriting, doing backups for bigger artists. And he was saying what would happen is Barry Gordy, who ran Motown, would bring artists in and pimp them, basically treat them like tricks, make them feel like they were nothing, make them feel like they were easily replaceable and be cutthroat with them. Once they got to a certain point where they've made enough revenue for the company... Then he would show them how to pimp. So then that person would become a pimp and get other, bring other artists under them and treat them like tricks. And so it was a cyclical pimping. It was, there was never a chance. There was never this equality or building or growing or changing the culture. It was like, I raped you. Now you, you've done enough for me. Then let me show you how to rape other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a uh, changing of the society is a much, much, much longer process than... Uh, taking individuals and placing them at the top for the visual change. Right. Uh, just taking a woman and putting her at the top of the FBI does not mean that now the FBI is this progressive institution or whoever appointed her is, you know, in, in this situation, Mr. Trump, is this progressive person. Right. No, she had done things that most men haven't done. Right. And that's why she is there. Right. Um, and it shows, oh, look, see, he has uh, women at the top. So, you know, it's just a cautionary tale that to change the structure of the society, we all have to be Elizabeth Warrens. Right. And someone, you know? someone's going to have to be the better woman or the better man. That, yeah. you know, for, it's the same thing. Like, you know, the, the struggle is very, there's some parallels with, obviously, with, with racial, with blacks, is that, you know, black people have been oppressed and enslaved and just routinely and economically and systemically discriminated against and plotted against for so long that it's very hard for 
you know, a black person who's aware of these things to grow up, become successful, and be like, I'll let it pass. But the challenge is, if we keep retaliating, the person we're retaliating against may not even be aware of all this, and then we create and perpetuate more of this racial tension. You know, so somebody has to be able to be like, all right, you know what, this shit's been fucked up for hella long, but when I gain my space, I'm going to educate and share in a loving way so we can understand what's happened, be compassionate, but we need to be compassionate and educate, not now that I'm here, motherfucker, you ain't getting nothing. I'm not serving y'all. I'm going to oppress you guys. I'm going to see if you guys like it because that doesn't create any hormone. It just just changing of the guard. So I think that, you know, one of the solutions and it's happening is that there are more mixed people. Mm-hmm. There are more mixed babies that who are now teenagers and in early 20s and 30s and, you know, Obama is mixed. Like, it's the world keeps mixing. And eventually, you know, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, it's a long process to mix the world, but right. it's definitely mixing. Right. And we can em- embracing nuance and, you know, understanding, like, um, when is a time to be passionate in a, in a, a rage aggressive way but when is the time to be passionate as a compassionate you know passionate about passionate about love like I really really want to make sure that we share this love and I don't lose to hate I really want to make sure that I'm not going to let my oppressors can dictate the rest of my life you know I'm going to be passionate about connecting with my, my source so that way when I get derailed by hate I don't become that hate and so, you know, that's, that's what it is. Um, that's the black, yeah, this is the black cop analogy. Like a lot of times, um, for a black cop to become, you know, for a black person to become a cop, they would have to show that they were just as down to be as aggressive and incriminating and discriminating as blacks as the white person was. And so it happens a lot. And the same thing with the, you know, talking about the, with the women CEOs, a lot of times the black person who becomes a CEO they adopt the colonist mind state. And so a lot of, a lot of my friends, you know, people I love friends, but educators I look at, they're like, just, you know, when you become a CEO and you adopt the colonist mind state, you are not progressive. You are not moving the culture forward. You're not moving the, anything forward. You're just basically playing by the rules. You're adopting their culture. You know, and the minute they decide they don't like you, you will be dropped back and you'll become an N-I-G-G-E-R, just like the same way they think you are. But they'll make a pass for you if you're willing to tell the party line. Um, so yeah. we need to get all past that. Yeah. All right. So that is that. So that was, right there. that was the lesson, uh, my personal lesson from last week, which I thought was really cool. Yes. I, I appreciate having experienced that. Yes. Be mindful of who we spit flames at. <laughs> you don't want to torch an ally. Yeah. So okay, what we get into next? What we talking about? Uh, well, we've been keeping this uh, topic off the podcast for a few. I think the last few episodes we just didn't have enough time. Mm-hmm. This time I think we do. All right. Uh, I think t- it was two or three episodes ago when I mentioned again something about well, you know, I mean it's hard for me to like people, so I'd be lucky to find one person that I like right. outside of my marriage and you kind of looked at me like uh, okay <laughs> right right yeah um, so now the question is in, in an open non-monogamous relationship uh, what is 
I guess, easier for the other partner? Right. Or, what, or, or you know, what's the preferred? Let's just, what's the pros and cons of both right. of them? Like, you know, a lot of guys be like, I don't want my wife just out hella dudes all the time. It's different guys having sex. And you go, okay, well, what, what else do you want? Do you want her to be with one guy she's deeply with and she sees as much as she would see these multiple guys? So she's seeing him maybe a couple times a week and just, like, having this long. And then all of a sudden there's triggers in that, too. Well, I mean, the bottom line is that guys just don't want their women to be <laughs> with like, anybody. Can't you just can't stay you home just... and not be with anybody and let me go play? Like, can't, can't you just, like, be friends? Right. Like, I'm cool with you being friends with guys. But right. can we, like... Not it's engage, a, the penis, penis, the penis thing. thing. But you know, ultimately, there's pros, there's sensitivities on both of those. Like, okay, if you're if your girl or your guy is out with multiple women, then that can be dizzying. That can be triggering, right? Because it's always something. Well, yeah. Well, and you know, from my experience, um. It can be a little overwhelming mm-hmm. just because I personally get concerned about the time management. Mm-hmm. That's in that situation, like in, in the case of multiple women, and you have always been involved with multiple women. Mm-hmm. When I'm now that I know, my only question that came up, if whatever, a couple a month ago, two months right. ago, is like, hey, I'm noticing that you're connecting with a lot of women and now new women. How are you going to manage the time? Right. And that that is honestly my only concern in that situation. Right. And of course, you know, you looked at me like uh, I have always managed my time, whether you knew it or not, and you never really... Right. Uh, you know, noticed or had an issue with that. So trust me, I know how to manage my time. Right. So I, you know, and we have a really, really good history with that. So, you know, I got concerned because this was one of the, I guess, first times that I was like in the know and it became sort of a numbers thing for me. Right. And then that one little quick reminder from you was totally enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, I, this is what I'm dealing with. He never made me feel like he doesn't, you know, prioritize our time. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, I, I, just, I trust you. And, of course, things work out and, right. you know, it's just fine. But that, from my side, that's, only, that's the only concern. Right. So, so, you got, so you've experienced, obviously, that side of, of being with me who's had... You know, always a cipher of people flowing in and out. Um, so well, now- I think I've also experienced at least periods of time in, uh, you know, the time that I've known about, you know, all of your connections where it's only been one. Right. As far as one, like... One active... Like high you know, level. One, no, or at uh, least even like one active right. connection that, you know, maybe there's a few months where it's like, okay, you're only right, that's, close that's the to around, one, right. one person, that's who they're around, uh, who's around, others are not, you know, like things always come and go. We learn right. not very quickly, like, you know. Boy, oh boy. Right. Impermanence is real. Right. So, you know, I mean, I definitely have experienced times when it's just one person and I definitely can feel threatened by that. Right. And then I have to engage my other parts of wisdom and, you know, check myself and be like, okay, well, 
are all of our parameters still clicking? Right. You know, am I still who I am? Are you still who you are? Uh, and then also remind myself that things are impermanent, that, you know, I, um, if I let everything go how it's supposed to go, Right. Things are going to work out how they should work out. Right. And the, and, the, uh, and the reality with that is, you know, if we're going to have us as in you and I, but us in general as a people having relationships, like, we should really question having a relationship with someone that we don't trust to lead their own decision-making right. process. Like, that's really the root of it. Because the bottom line is, you know, if you have to micromanage them to make the right decisions then you will always have to micromanage them. And you may not even know who they really are. So the way you learn who someone really is, is you give them the freedom to do what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. Now we'll tell you exactly what their intentions are, what they're trying to do, where their shortfalls are. And then you guys can have a conversation. But taking someone's ability to lead away. But that, do you know how difficult that is, especially for someone like me? Yeah. But I had to, I mean, I really, that was one of my biggest lessons that I learned through the time that you and I have been transparent about it is that me trying to control that space right. only creates negative energy that everybody feels, then things go sideways and they backfire on me. Right. And I've learned that I really don't like feeling that I want to control it. Right. I really, really learned to appreciate uh, feeling the need to control and then catching myself and letting go. Right. And then just trusting the whole process and trusting, reminding myself, you are who you are. And if I see that things are not lining up, that's a bigger problem. Right. And that's when I need to take action. But trying to control your space has never worked out well for me. And yeah, I'm a Gemini. I will do, I will make mistakes a few times in a row, but I will not keep making them if I get hurt enough times. Right, right. And, and, and you know, we want each other to be able to be honest, to be truthful, and to feel that they're leading and they're supported in their path. We can help each other. We can check in and be like, yo, so I noticed, like, you know, things are getting crazy and like I haven't, you haven't made enough time for this and that. How do you feel about that? And they could be, oh shit, I didn't even realize that. But you never take away their ability to lead when even they fall on their face. Like all the stuff that we went through, there was never a time where I was like, okay, you know what? You aren't ready for any of this. Give me the keys. I'm going to, now we're going to do as anybody you think you want to meet, I'm going to talk to them first. I'm going to set the schedule. Like I'm a parent or something like that. You'd never want, like... We need none of no human beings unless it's like a fetish. Um, okay, let me say this: not many human beings like to be on a leash, right? Like to be controlled to the point where they can't do what they want to do. Everything they have to do, everything they want to do, has to go through someone else, and they get to choose if they say yes or no. Um, that in itself will create resentment because you're not allowed to naturally grow. You're not allowed to naturally think about things you're not naturally allowed to connect with your path and the reality is most of us have individual paths that are individual of our core relationships they can be in unison they can overlap 
But the core path is an individual path. And if, if someone else is dictating who you can see, when you can see him, what can you think, how long you can do it, then you are no longer able to follow your path. Yeah, you know? I mean, and we live with enough noise. I mean, there, there's a lot of noise in our lives. A lot of it is created, you know, through our uh, upbringing. There is a lot of beliefs that we take on when uh, just, just through living in a regular, normal structure. Right. Uh, and it's very difficult as is to understand what is it that we want. Right. So having someone in a parent position to continue telling us what we should be doing, right. it defeats the purpose of us trying to be open, open in the meaning of we're honest with each other, we're honest with ourselves. Right, and that's a good point. We'll, we'll, we'll take a break, we'll continue there, about what happens when we micromanage somebody, it really promotes dishonesty. But we also need to go back and talk about, I've described my um, experience is, you know, wh- how I feel when you see multiple people, how I feel when you see one person. Right. And then oh, we so have to go to your my side. side. <laughs> oh, I, okay. All right. Black Russian Podcast, episode 25. Bada bing. This is Buku One, aka Mr. Generous, aka Tion Torrance. And this is Yula. Why do you always go first? I don't know. Cause you know, you stare at me like a lost puppy. You didn't I even say your alias this time. You're all happy about your new your new title from the last episode. You didn't even say it this time. I totally forgot about it. 
You know what it yeah, is? Yeah, the park ranger. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, you guys are about to hear a slap. <laughs> I remember what her damn thing I forget was. a lot of yeah. things. It just, just only things that don't matter to me. No, not true. Why? You forget all types of things. What did I forget that mattered to me? You know what? I forget things that matter yeah. to me, too, so I don't remember. <laughs> I do not I think forget all, things so, that matter to me. Watch your arm. You're going to knock the thing over. So uh-huh. Let's fight. Let's fight. Okay. So here's the truth that we know to be self-evident. We're all going to confess right now. <laughs> okay. Here, we're going to give you the realest stuff ever. This is, this is why you guys listen. We had to wait for episode 25 <laughs> to tell you this shit right here. This is like the realest shit. Okay. I can't wait. Everybody forgets shit. Even shit they really care about. You know what else? Everybody lies. Everybody lies. Well, the lying part I get. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody lies. Even the ones who go, I don't, I never lie to a hurt anybody. You know what? Like, I, lie was to thinking, I was thinking the other day, I can't remember. Um, so, like, you and I walk down the street, we always hold hands. If we right. don't hold hands, we know something's wrong. Right. I was trying to remember if I held hands walking down the street with John. Right. And I couldn't remember. I'm like, seriously, how can I? Right. Have you guys more like buddies? No. I mean, I, I think we did, but I just don't have the visual. You don't remember romantic love. The visual is gone. Okay. I kind of, it upset well, me, actually. Maybe we'll hit romantic love in this conversation later, and we can see if that jogs your memory. Because oh. clearly, I've learned, one thing I've learned is, I guess, I don't give good romantic love. No, you don't. Yeah. I could have told you that. I mean, it's not like you, I mean, you don't listen to me, but... I mean, I listen to you. But it doesn't, doesn't hit you the same way as when... I don't say sugar baby, baby, sugar baby, baby, baby. No. I miss you, I miss no, you, I miss you, you. Sugar baby, baby, no. baby, sugar baby. No. No. Nor do you give me flowers unless I give them to you first. Right. And I don't say I need. I don't talk about how much I need somebody. You're okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking if you've ever told me that. I need? I mean... <sighs> I'm sure you have. Codependency, interdependency is awesome. Codependency is not sexy. So, okay. No, but, but I digest. You uh, digress. No, no. <laughs> I, I know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, all, it's my friends on this, on the 95.7 The Game Sports Radio. The guy talks. He says that instead of saying I digress, he's like, but I I digest. Okay. So, but I digest what we just said. It's kind okay. of a d- double entendre. But uh, okay. So, so we're talking about my purposes. Okay. So as a man, you know, I think about well, okay. your supposed preferences. Well. My preference now is normalize. I don't care which one. Like I was telling, I was telling a friend of ours, you know, the thing that has been the biggest challenge for us on my side of things is you, your world of seeing other men or women or whatever, it's just never been normalized. It's like right. it's still, it's like a unicorn. Right. And so for a Virgo, the longer that I have to go without that happening, the longer and the bigger it becomes this big event. So then the first one's like a big event, right? But then eventually, it'll just become normal. Right. But it's, we've never done that, so I'm saying, you know. So I, was, I don't think it ever becomes normal, but I think it's more like we develop well, it becomes uh, normalized. anticipation. Like we know how to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, it just becomes normalized. It doesn't mean it's like you're, you're indifferent or you don't feel anything. It just right. means like, yeah, 
she sees people. She's seen people. It's been 10 years, and she's seen 100 people. And you just, like, it's the, the, the whole essence of seeing somebody is not, like, this, ta- this, this thing that's, like, <gasps> right. you know. And so, so from, from, from the man's perspective, okay, so let me think. So, like, if your partner, like, for example, if you have this one special boo thing, let's call him Frederico. You, you have a Frederico, and, like, you know, you go out with Frederico, you know, twice a week. Maybe one to two times a week. Just, you know, hey, you never know. Maybe you guys work together, then you do afterwards, then you go on a personal thing, whatever. But it's consistent. And, you know, then you guys go for a day every now and then. You guys go, you know, go for Saturday, you go come back Sunday. And it's a frequent thing. And it's the only person, it's literally the only person you ever talk to me about would be Frederico. Because he's your only person you're talking to, right? All of a sudden, Frederico becomes bigger in my mind because all, all your outer excitement, all your outer passion is Frederico, right? So obviously it could be like, well, damn, like, you know, what's Frederico's intentions? Is he just, is he cool? Right. You can get all concerned about like, man, is she falling in love? Right. Is she, what is she going to do? Like, man, like that's just a lot of time. Like, why, why, you know, and you get all worried about them falling in love and leaving. But then on the other hand, you're like, okay, well, what would you prefer? What if she's out with like, she's in the phase of her life where she doesn't want, she's totally happy with romance, totally happy with love. Well, not romance. Totally happy with love and all these things. But all she wants to do is fuck. Like she just wants to try different people, new, new relationship energy all over the place. She's just curious. She wants to try different restaurants. So like her whole span of period of time for say for a year or two is like, I just want to try different shit. Like, I want to try big, I want to try small, I want to try brown, blue, green, orange, I want to try all this stuff. And so, like, every week, she's, like, there's, like, one or two different people. She's on, she's got her dating profiles, and she's, like, talking to, like, hella people all the time. And there's always the people. And since we're open and we're caring, she's telling me about all these people. And it becomes, like, this, this like you're saying, this, this spy, this, like, so much overwhelming of all these two people, you know. And then you think about, dang, she's could be fucking hella people. Then you're worried about, like, you know, what are they doing? Is it okay? What if she just comes home and she's too exhausted and she can't even, she didn't want to be near me? What if they hurt her? What, you know, you think of all these crazy things. What if it was a whole football team? Is she doing gangbangs now? What if she gets to the porn? <laughs> you know, like, is she, is she now going to go to parties? And, you know, there's so many different things that can go on. And so, you know, I've learned to be careful what you ask for. Because, <laughs> you know, you may think you want it, you want your girl to just be with one person. But you see, that can be a whole different ball of wax. And be careful if you're like, well, I don't want to be the one person. I want to rather be with, like, casual people. And you think of, like, there could be just millions of casual people. So I've just learned I want her to have whatever it is she wants. Um, and just for it to become, like, normal where it's like, oh, yeah, well, okay. She did that. That's what she does. She does, you know, sometimes she goes out with a guy. Sometimes she goes out to a party. Sometimes she goes out with her girlfriends and they have this guy they go out with together and they have a threesome. Sometimes she goes away for the weekend. You know, sometimes, you know, she comes home and she's exhausted. Sometimes she even has a hickey on her neck or some shit. Like, you know, like... like wow, you're a slight of Virgo. Jesus. You know, it could be anything. But wow. you, I want it to be where it's like, okay, like... None of it is a cause for alarm. Right. And, and this is, is a good topic, too, and I just realized this kind of helped me stretch it. So when dealing with relationships and opening or not, we, I think one of the pitfalls we can all get into is monitoring someone's routine 
as normal. So like, for example, let's say right now you don't go out much, right? You kind of, you're happy staying home. So, you know, five days out of seven days a week, you're, you're at home all the time. And then six, all, out of seven, six out of seven days you're at home all the time. Or seven out of seven. So let's just say that changes where now you're like, I need to be out more to be happy. My balance needs to be out. And you're out three days a week. And we get too caught up in symbols as to they are at home this amount of time as opposed to they do what they want to do and this equates to what they want to do right now, home. This is their balance. But we know the balance can change. And I think what happens is we get too caught up in the, in, in the symbols and all of a sudden someone goes out three days a week, it's like, what's up? Why are you, I've noticed you've gone out three days a week. You normally never do that. Well, like, you're super good at uh, telling me that. Like, you're super good at, and I think because we now trust each other, you are more comfortable telling me that. More than I need more time out. When you need more time out and when you feel like more time in. I think that in your head, and you can totally correct me, uh, sometimes I feel like you could be concerned about being at home too much. So yeah. that I don't get tired of you, right. or you know, yeah. I don't, I, I don't just, you know, like get antsy with you around all the time. Right. Because we have, you know, we just talked about it the other day. I was like, you know, we have done a really, really, really good job transitioning our relationship from, you know, where we started and what we had for twelve first twelve years. Right. You were out fifty percent of the time. You loved it, and I loved it. Right. And then that changed on the spot right. within so like, one day with no warning. Like 90 to 90% in, 10% out. Well, now you're like 98% in, right. 2% out. Right. Uh, you know, out being tours like, and like right. extended times. Right, you out know, meaning like overnight a, away. A week, you know, two weeks, six right. weeks. Right. Like that is out to me. You know, so it's now 92, you ah. know, something like that. And, you know, and that's a huge transition. It's a huge, huge, huge transition. We have not gotten tired of each other. Like, you're super good at balancing it, of, of, of finding, of keeping yourself happy. And I'm just naturally uh, super happy with you in. Right. And, and when I get antsy, you know, I get antsy and then something happens and I'm back to being super happy with you in. So, right. like, we haven't run into that issue, but you're super aware of it. Right. And, you know, because we talk about the how valuable time away is. And it's extremely important. And most important, I think, is how valuable it is for each partner to support each other's growth and change. Don't push them to change. Don't push them to stay the same. Support them and let them do because... You know what? Sometimes they may need to be out a lot, a lot, but every time they come home, they're happy and you can, they feel balanced. Right. And you don't want them to be at home all the time because they're used to and you want them to be if they're not balanced because they'll be miserable and you'll feel it and it won't be good. And then you don't want to force them out because they want to stay home all the time and force them out because they're going to be forced out. They're not going to be happy. You know, allow each other How to... How do you force them out? You need to go out more. You should go out more. Why don't you go out more? Why are you always home? You should go out more. You know, like I go out, you I should go never, out. I wouldn't even yeah. know how to do that. Yeah, it's just trying to encourage or push or manipulate or just encourage someone to do something they don't want to like, do. I guess my way of encouraging you to be out is like, hey, can we create a tour for you? Like, hey, can right. we like buy your way on a tour? Can right, we, and know? these are great for, you know, us to suggest to each other because yeah. it shows that we care right. about this. But 
forcing it, like no. making somebody look. I talked to Mike Realm. I talked to them. You're going with them. I, I need you out. Right. You know. Um, but I think we get so caught up, we get so comfortable with our routines that when they change, we don't allow them to change and trust that it's changing for a reason that may not be negative. Like they may just need to go out more. Well, that's the biggest thing, and I think you know, in in the whole like marriage relationship uh, connection world, there's only a couple of basic things that we always come back to. Right. And it's trust and faith and doing what is best for each other and right. both of us and just trust and faith. And, and there is nothing and there's nothing more really. Right. And being honest about shit. Right. So like, right. okay, I notice a lot of things. You notice a lot of things. Right. I notice when your routine changes. I question it, and right. I have learned to just go. You know what? I it is okay, and right. keep move, keep it moving because I know what happens when I don't. Right. And if we trust each other, when we see the routine change, our first reaction doesn't go, "Hey, <laughs> I've noticed that in the last two weeks you've right. been out seven point seven more times than you normally are. What's up?" You just sit back and you watch. Right. Because you know since they care about you, they're going to come talk to you about what they're going through and what the, what's going on. And then it becomes, I'm inspired to share with you what's, what's going on in my world. Yeah. And then we, can, we, we stay connected and it stays proactive and, and, and sharing. And, you know, this is a good place to remind everyone that, you know, Tian and I have worked out our own way. You know, he uh, really wants me to let him tell me. Right. I am a rabbit. I jumped the gun a lot. Right. I had to learn the hard way. I still do it sometimes. I catch myself a lot faster now, but, you know, I it used to be that I was jumping up and down asking questions and not put him on the wrong side of the willing to tell me. Right. But, you know, we've learned, and now it's usually I notice something, and then, like, magic, he tells me what's up. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's going to develop their own their own ways. You know, I personally prefer when he asks me. Right. We haven't got there, gotten there a lot because I just haven't, you know, gone out. And, I asked you today. Yeah, you asked me today, and it was great. Like I really uh, prefer being asked. She likes to be interrogated. It's like a BDSM thing. It's a form of like. <laughs> no, it pushes me. You know, like right. it 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 clicks my like because I. Uh, I tend to take too long before I open my mouth. Like, it trains me to be okay to open my mouth. Right. Uh, you know, you're much more of a very regimented person knowing when you want to open your mouth. Right. Uh, so that that's, you know, that's how it works for you. But my point is that, you know, everyone develops their own routines right. and two people can be totally different right. T and I are totally like opposites uh, so hopefully we meet somewhere in the middle or I respect his his learning mine yeah. and you know we can learn each other's but not impose right. each other's on like you know and so like for him, example if she prefers to be asked I do um, it's part of my desire to help become that supporter of her and her world 
So in her world, I need to be co-pilot. In her world, co-pilot asks. Right. Right. And in my world, co-pilot sits back and, and waits. Let's lead. Yeah, right. trust it. So well, it's just like in my fantasy world. I come home and you tell me that my bags are packed and tickets are bought. Childcare is taken care of, and right. we're going to an unknown location where I will have fun. Right. If that I, shit would give me anxiety. Yeah, if I, I would have the runs. <laughs> I would pass out. I would be able to think straight, and I'd become neurotic. <laughs> right. So I will. I, I might do that to you, but you, I think, now trust me enough to where you'd be. Yeah. Cautiously I mean, optimistic about it. Well, it will be the same as when I go to a chiropractor. Right. Like I'm cautiously trusting. Right. Like, my eyes are looking at you like, pay attention. Make sure you are, are you fully aware of the amount of pressure you need to put on my neck. Before you snap it. Right. So, yes, I'd be like, we're going away. Okay. I'm not going to ask. And the, the voice in my head is like, you're not going to ask? How are you not going to ask? Do you, what are you not? And I'd be like, no, but I trust her. How are you going to just be like, I don't trust her. You trust her, but I don't trust her. You should ask for me. And it's all the voices in my head. like. And then like the list of million questions. Like, did she talk to Dan? How does she know I don't have workshops? Right, so it's yeah. like, <laughs> what am I missing? Little, what about that? Yeah. A little tricky. But the most important thing is um, encourage each other. Create the space for each other to be cold not cold, be blatantly honest about what they prefer and why. Yeah. So that way you understand when you're going up against something. You understand when you're stepping on their toes. You understand when you're not doing enough, right? Like if you didn't explain to me like, no, I really like when you proactively ask me because it helps me because I need that. I need that push. Then I may not, if I didn't ask that, I wouldn't even know. And so I'm not doing enough. Right. And if I don't tell you, like, dude, I trust me. I love you. I want to share lots with you. It's my due. And you would be like, oh, I didn't know that because I, I need the push. So I thought, you know, maybe you need the push. Right. I mean, one of our biggest, you know, things, fights was caused by you not asking. Right. You know, when I went out, you went out, you were on the way home and you were telling me about your time out and I'm at home waiting for you to ask because I don't know if you want me to tell you when you want me to tell you and I never tell you because you never ask. And then right. the next morning you're like, what the fuck? You left me hanging. And right. I'm like, what the fuck? You never asked me. I was waiting for you to ask. All you needed to do was ask. Right. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah. And so the lesson in all that is treat people like you want to be treated only works sometimes the real nuanced one is treat people how they want to be treated right but at the same time you know like i know you want me to tell you i know you don't want me to be relying on you to ask right so as we are growing i am learning more and more to open my mouth and proactively tell you but also at the same time it's awesome when you do ask. Right. But it doesn't mean that if you don't ask, I'm going to keep myself. Like, I, I learn, you right. know, I, I also learn from things. Right. And that's the beauty of when, when each of us shares our, our way of doing things and why, we can discuss. Sometimes we both learn that there are elements of why the other person does it that makes more sense. And then right. we become, we start doing that more. Right. So it's not like we're rigid and like, I'm this way and I will always be this way and she's this way and she's always be this way. It's like, this is what's worked for me and this is how. And you could be like, well, that's cool, but what about this situation? What about that? This is what I do. And I go, oh, that makes more sense. Let's do that. Or let's try that. Or let's create some new 
language where you know we both can understand and we can help each other yep. with the clues like that we Tion, need. When you land, text me that you landed. Right. Oh, why do I have to do that? You you would know if something bad happened. Well, I highly prefer when you land, right. you spend thirty seconds and you text, text me. You when landed you land. all good. When you, oh, when you okay. go pee, make sure the door is closed all the way when you come out. <laughs> Don't leave the bathroom door open. Yes. The goblins will get you. Yes. Do you really think there's goblins? It's not the point. <laughs> it, it doesn't take much strength to yeah. close the... Okay. Yeah, so, you know, but it, all of this stems from what we're talking about. Be honest, be truthful, and give each other the space to lead. And if you are given the space to lead, damn it, lead. Don't be afraid to be honest. Trust me, your truth will hurt them way less than your deception. Yeah. Way less. Or half-truth. Or, or half-truths or, or passive-aggressivenesses or, or like, complete contrast truth going from, like, calm, 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 bam. Totally yeah. different. So, that's that. So, did you want to talk about, we have a little bit of time left. And this topic of romantic love came up. <laughs> you know? So, first, what is romantic love to you? Well, I've been trying to think. Trying to think or thinking? I've been thinking. Because <laughs> trying to think is like... Well, no, I've been, <laughs> I've been really trying to come up with a definition. I've been thinking in an effort to come up with a definition. How's that? A romantic love. That sounds great. And uh, I don't have one. I think that there are lots of different things that can be very romantic. Right. And... You know, I've talked to a couple of girlfriends. I'm like, hey, define romantic love. And even the ones that read romantic novels couldn't come up with a definition. Wait a minute. Yes. You're telling me that Lizzie and Daly could yes. not come up no. the most romantic fart no. knockers right. ever. Could, no. They're really? like, They're like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah, they mm. couldn't come up with it. They couldn't come up with it. They couldn't agree with one. Like, I, I, you know, whatever was thrown out there is possibly romantic. Right. I'm like, oh, giving flowers? Tion giving flowers to me. Romantic? Yes. Yeah. Me handing flowers to Tion before he gave them to me. Romantic? No. Why not? Right. What's so the it's 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 just like yeah, the definition does not make sense. Lizzie Google definition she, so and here, it made and she's like, Holy shit, even the definition does not make sense. Right. Here's the definition of romantic. Conducive to or characterized by the expression of love. A characterized by or suggestive of an idealized view of reality. Yeah, so it's like it's a fucking fairy tale. <laughs> so basically, the best, the most logical thing that we all collectively came up with is what you said. Romance is a word used to categorize movies, books, right. comedies, you know. It's a marketing It's a marketing, marketing thing. Music. It's yeah. a fairy tale. It's, you know... It's Real a, love, nice romantic box. love, right. is when they give you flowers and you walk down the street right. holding hands and you kiss a lot. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the funny thing is, so, you know, being me, being pragmatic, spiritual, goofy guy, is like, okay, look. So, you know, the things that I, like, what's romantic to me is like, 
you know, being a very diversified friend to you. Like I can be, we can talk about sex. We can talk about your spirituality. We can talk about family. We can talk about kids. We can talk about your dreams, talk about your fears. And I will be there and I will be proactively thinking of cool ways to do cool things. I will help you with your business. I will help you grow something, you know, like much more deeper level. Well, um, let's talk about, like, in our marriage. Right. Hold on a second. Let me okay. figure out a little point. So, a lot of times, people don't see that as romantic. No. And they, they, they basically, you know, like you're saying, they, they say, I'm not romantic. It comes off as if I don't care, if I'm indifferent. You don't give flowers. Right. You so, don't notice flowers. You don't... Right. Uh, I don't say, I miss you a lot. I don't say, I don't say, baby, baby. I don't say these things. But my thing is, like, to me, those are symbols, What's important is what is the intention. Yeah. So a guy who shows up with flowers and says, baby, baby, I miss you, I love you, I can't live without you, the world and shit. And then his intentions are to abuse and manipulate you or lie or deceive you. Is that really romantic? Right? So a lot of women will take that without going deeper. Oh, I would rather a guy to give me flowers. Really? Would you rather that over a guy who sincerely cares about you? But there's no nuance. And we just, we're so focused a lot of times on the language of symbols. If this person, hold on, if this person loves me in the way, this special way, this is what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, and I think that there's actually uh, a danger to assigning so much weight to the romance, the way that it's described in books and movies, because you can be put in a situation through using romance language Mm -hmm. where you have to, let's say that you're dating someone and uh, they create this whole big super romantic scenario and they propose to you. Mm -hmm. And you are in this extremely romantic situation and it's a public proposal and it is with a huge ring and a lot of flowers. What do you say? That is real pressure. Right. Like, that is actually a dangerous situation. Right. And Casanovas and Gigolos master the art of romantic conversation, romantic talk. They show up with flowers. They open the door for you. They say, baby, you are so beautiful. They say, baby, I love you. And a lot of times, a woman can totally get caught up in that and be like, he's so nice. He's so sweet. And have no idea about who this person is. Well, it just, it's like, it's a way to press the buttons that we're programmed to have uh, right. these reactions to through fairy tales, right. through princess stories, through happily ever after without ever describing the details of happily ever after, right. through movies, through comedies, through, you know, whatever, celebrity, gossip, like through all that bullshit. Right. So when someone shows up with flowers and a huge ring, Right. You're like, oh, this must be my Prince Charming. Right. Because all the attributes This is are what there. it looks like on the movies. Yeah. yeah I mean, whereas, like, uh, you know, just like in our... When my mom uh, basically was very vocally against you and I getting married because she was uncomfortable with you. Mm-hmm. And you were actually... You called her out... Uh, and you started asking her direct questions. One of her concerns was that, well, who's going to take care of her? And she has two kids and, you know, who are now poor orphans, blah, blah, blah. Your answer to her was one of the most romantic things 
that I can think of is, is like, hey, I have been here for her. I fully intend to being here for her. I'm not going anywhere. Right. I've been the one supporting her through all this stuff. Right. There were no flowers. There was no ring. I proposed to you or we made it, you know, like it wasn't, it was, it had no trappings of the romance. Right. And what's the most romantic thing that we do in our relationship? Right. Like what comes to mind? Right. Like road trips, painting, watching forensic shows together. Or O situation. Right. Well, yes. For me, right. one of the most romantic things is, is handling business together. Being able to have total faith in each other's decision-making process to where when one of us leaves the room, the other one handles that business, toes the line, and comes back um, with even a better situation than you would have maybe thought by yourself, as well as remaining, um, keeping all the integrity and relationships intact. In like, to me, these things are very romantic. So yeah. what it says to me is, you know, before we just assume that someone who gives flowers and calls, says baby, and says, I miss you, and says, I need you, is somehow more into you than someone who um, works to be versatile, to be able to be fluid and flow with you through your ups and downs, um, it's less. We should think about the nuances of, and the languages. What does this person mean when they give you flowers? What does this person mean when they look to find ways to be a, the best uh, long-term friend, companion, lover they can be to you? Yeah. They're different languages. So I think, you know, that the bottom line is that we all, like, you know, all girls are raised with this romantic love thing. Mm-hmm. We all do. Like, I have it. I, there, there are things that I'm like, oh, it would right. be so nice if... But what happens when you do? Like, the one time you sent me flowers on Valentine's Day. Right. When Deja was... The, the month when Deja was born and you happened to be out of town. Right. Nine days later. Right. But who's counting on Valentine's Day. Right. And flowers got delivered to our house. And I'm like, oh, how nice of Bob, my assistant, right, to send right. me flowers, you know. And I look at the thing, and it's from Tion. What is the first thing I do? First thing, I'm like, holy shit, it's from Tion. Right. Wow, I had never gotten flowers from Tion. Right. The second thing I do, I go into our Amex statement, and I right. go, holy shit, that cost him $75. <laughs> really, Tion? Thanks, but right. okay, let's not do that again. I mean, that's, that's my level right. of... I mean, it's nice, just like I want a special ring. Right. And Tion's like, great. When you make enough money, we will buy you the ring. Right. I'm we like, yeah, I... feel like that's what you want to spend that much money on versus whatever else we can do. But yeah, no, and I want to say this very clearly. No style of what you like is wrong. If you like the super visual displays of romance like flowers and wine and dining and candlelit this and you know that's fine but understand not every person who brings you that is going to have the intention that you you're assigning to what that means and that's the biggest issue me being the fly girl's best friend you know how many of my friends women who are friends got romanced and wined and dined by the dude who knew all what to say knew how to say it, knew when to say it, and next thing you know, that dude was a, was a deceiver, a manipulator, or abuser. Yeah. Because I know for a fact that women will fall very easily if you just say the right things. Yeah. And I'm looking at him like, dude, I've been your friend, I've been with you all through all these men, and I'm still here with you. And you're looking at me like, yeah, but you, you know, 
But you don't give me flowers. You don't. Yeah. yeah. No. I get it. I'm. I'm the same way. That hurts I me in my upper growing. Hurts you in the upper growing. <laughs> I mean, my heart too, but my upper growing really hurts when I hear that. I'm sorry. It's like, what am I, chopped liver over here? Yep. You know, so you know, romantic. So buy yourself flowers. Send yourself flowers. Right. I I find the flowers I like. I hand them to Tion. I take a picture of him giving them to me. That's awesome. And voila, and you know. The intention should be the most important thing. Learning each other's language comes second, because like, so you may go, I, I just want to feel loved and I want to feel appreciated, and this person goes, okay, this is how I show that. You know, by being patient if you're busy, by being, you know, um, open to whatever styles of connection that work best for us, and that's how I do that. And then she could be like, oh no, that's. <laughs> That's not at all what I mean. I wouldn't right. even, if you did that, I would have no idea what you mean. Right. What I need it to look like is if you really care about me and you want me to feel special, tell me this. Show right. me this. Right. Give me this. And then I'll go, oh, really? Okay, well, let me add that in the mix. So, uh, in my first marriage, I got flowers and I got jewelry. Right. Nothing that you ever gave me. Right. But I got jewelry when John fucked up right. to the point where I stopped talking to him. And then I've gotten some pretty significant pieces of jewelry when he really <laughs> fucked up. Right. So that jewelry to me has this meaning of, yup, Every piece of jewelry that I have from him, I know exactly what he did to for me to get it. Right. Like like how he I I remember. Right. So it's yeah. Doesn't so, always mean. No. So it was his way of saying I'm sorry, and I hope this, you know, uh, makes you helps you forgive me. Right. And then, without changing, what really caused the problem. Right. You know, every single time it was his drinking, and that never changed, and that killed him. Right. So, like, how romantic was that? So, every piece of that of jewelry, to me, is a reminder of him saying sorry and never fixing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's pretty romantic. Right, and you know, on the surface, people would be like, "Oh, but that's amazing!" Oh my God, look he at that bracelet! That? Wow, right. this is so pretty and right. so thoughtful, and it's so unique, and it's handmade, and right. it's a, I'm like, "Yeah, but this is how I got it. This is why I got it." Right. Yeah. Yep. I know. I I learn. I learn. I listen. I learn. I learn. Um, and you know, I'm stubborn in the sense that like the language of True love and care come from intention and the vibe, and then how we ex- how we express that should be secondary to making sure that we're genuine and caring. Never get to the point where I can say these things, but I don't mean these things, and have that be good enough for any or, man or well, any woman. You know, I can guarantee you that people mean those things. It just that kind of meaning goes behind it. That's the bigger problem. Just saying I love you and I'm sorry. Right. 
okay, but what do you mean by that? Right. You know, when yeah. you say I'm sorry, does that mean that you will actually do what we need you to do? Right. You know, to fix that problem, regardless of how difficult and impossible it seems, or are you just going to I say just, the word right. and own up to it and continue doing the same thing? Or right. maybe half-ass try to solve it but you really know that you're not I mean you right. know I mean right. I've gone through I went through seven years of that and I mean it, yeah. it, it's uh, from from the most uh, loving caring well-intentioned you know I mean well-intended like you knew John pretty right. well yeah, you yeah. knew I was his life but right. that wasn't Right. He it wasn't gonna make right. him it wasn't gonna change. make him change what he didn't want to change. Right. Yeah. And so you know, let's just learn each other's code and let's make sure we are focused on the message and not solely the messenger. Let's the focus on the definition, of the, of the not solely the symbol. Yeah. Because people can give symbols without yeah. message intent. And we should not be fooled. We should appreciate that, but use our intuitive energy and our ability to communicate to go, this is beautiful. Why are you giving this to me? What does it mean to you right. when you give this to me? Yeah. You know, I notice you don't say these things, but I can feel you really care about me. Yeah. How do you show, how do you feel you show you care about me? Oh, that's what it is? That makes so much sense. And you do that so much for me. I appreciate that. Yeah. And there's definitely a learning curve to that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've learned that it doesn't matter that you don't give me flowers. It doesn't matter that, you know, I don't have jewelry from you. That what it matters is that you have put your heart and soul into creating this relationship with me and not giving up on me when I, you know, fuck up and hurt you and all that good stuff and that's the most important thing. Right. But I have to learn that as well. Right. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a... And, the, and also, since we're on the Black Russian podcast and we're two, we're a non-monogamous couple, if you're in an open relationship or non-monogamous relationship and one person doesn't give you every single fucking thing you need to be complete, <laughs> you're in an open relationship. You can find somebody else who's super that way. <laughs> and super that way and super that way like yep. the uh, the challenge and the reason why we our expectations are rarely met we're trying to find damn near everything in one person even right. though the things that we want that we consider everything will change every fucking other year yeah so what if the person you find has everything you want now in 2018 and in 2025 he has the exact same things and guess what you want different shit right what do you do yeah. You know, so, you know, when you go to an Ethiopian restaurant... I mean, that's, restaurant, a whole, that's you know, the next episode. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to what you just said. I mean, uh, what, you know, in, in... I would imagine that a big part of maintaining a dynamic relationship is by growing. Yeah, yeah. So, as you change and you want different things, I would hope that we're both there trying to grow right. and continue uh, supporting each other and, you know, not only knowing 
that there is something new that you want, but also finding my place in what is that new thing that you want. Continue to grow and be a value. Right, because it would be really sad if you wanted to get into something new or you feel like you want something different whether it's sexually whether it's whatever whatever you know new you know instead of bowling you now want to go golfing or you know whatever it is that I just shrug it off and like pretend it doesn't exist or am just not interested and you're on your own over there I mean it's it's not a part of a dynamic relationship yeah and that's the biggest part about the biggest challenge that can happen in a relationship where um, the people are one of, one of the two people stagnates. One of the, one of the people is like, I'm happy the way I am yeah. with my routine, how I like it, my tea this time, my breakfast this time on Sunday like this. The other person's like, I'm growing. I want to try different things. I'm learning new parts of myself. I want to travel more. The other one's like, Well, I don't want to do that. And they don't have a relationship that allows for this person to chill and do his routine or her routine and this person to travel more. Right. And so I go, okay, well, we both can't fit in here. Right. So that leads us straight into our next episode that will be about transitions. Transitions, It's a big topic. It's a really, really big topic. So we want to, Eula tapped me midway through this and said, it's a big topic. We should do the whole lead lead the whole episode on transitions like all types of transitions like transitions from huge career changes and how that affects your relationship transitions from uh, monogamous relationships to non-monogamous transitions from sexual friendships well non-monogamous to monogamous or sexual relationships to platonic relationships or platonic relationships to sexual relationships Um, all these transitions um are very delicate and we we usually know that and we act it makes us act really weird when we're going through the transitions and my hypothesis i'll leave you guys with is a lot of times what makes something weird or breaks a friendship or relationship is not the change it's the way we handle each other in that transition that changes the way we react to each other and the way we feel and we never recover from that so tian bukuwan black russian podcast yuba duba duba you went first again. Okay, let's start over. Go ahead. You go first. All right. Yula, the Park Ranger, Black Russian Podcast. Tion Michael Tucson Torrance, the second one. <laughs> How does that feel? Well, you're taller. Maybe we'll I don't go mind. in that. Maybe we'll, you're taller and younger. Right. I'm a great leader, and I'm a great follower. Like, there you go. I, I don't have... I'm, I'm switch is what they call it. I learned a new role. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm dominant and I'm submissive. Not at the same time. But I need Virgos need to kind of be prepped. Like I can sit back and lead. I mean, I can sit back and let somebody lead. I actually I'll be like, you go ahead, I do actually things. like the leading. I was just trying it out. Yeah. Schneer, schneer, schneer. All right. Just for the sake of it. All right, you guys have a good time. Stay tuned. Bada bing. No. Uh-huh.